Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneider and Craig Epstein, Rutgers beat reporter. Uh, guys, we have snapped the three-game losing streak in men's basketball. Rutgers went into Madison uh, only for the second time ever. They went into the Cole Center and won. Um, it was an ugly game. Uh, Rutgers won 58-57, but honestly, a win's a win. I'll take it. And it seems like we might have our, our uh, Mr. Onions back, the Camdy Man, whatever your nickname is for him. Camden. He came out and had uh, an incredible first half. I think he had 19 points on six of seven shooting. Uh, Cam just really, um, especially in the first half, was just totally on fire. Um, what did you guys see from this game and what gave you some, some hope and maybe some uh, what scared you a bit about this game? Yeah, I mean uh... – Cam on fire in the first half, six, seven, second half, one of seven. I don't know what the fuck happened there, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, 19 in the first half was incredible. He, uh, he, he bounced back pretty well. Um, Andre Hyatt had a pretty good game offensively. Um, I shouldn't say, yeah, I guess that was pretty good. Well, Hyatt um, was just so clutch. Like when we needed him, like that put back dunk at the end of the game, yes, like he, Hyatt's just a very high level basketball player overall. Yeah, he's, he's turning into a really good player. And I saw Pike actually said something to him before the game. He's like, you guarded Ron for two years. You can guard anybody. Like, yep. And uh, he, he's getting better on the defensive end, too. Um, he's obviously not Mawat Mag defensively, but yep. he, he did pretty good. Um, Cliff, I don't know what the fuck you're doing within the 10-foot range, but, like, figure it the fuck out. Um, it's rough. Yeah, it is Cliff, rough. like, I don't know if he's, like, gassed, but it doesn't seem like he's got that same bounce as he had in the beginning of the year because mm-hmm. there was a lot of – of putbacks or, or layups that normally are cliff dunks earlier in the year. Like he just, if he wasn't dunking the ball on Saturday, he was not making shots. And I yeah. don't think he made anything other than dunks. It's not just Saturday though. I feel like that's like the entire season. Mostly he's it's just been the missing, second half like, of the season even worse, yeah, but yeah, he's missing the little, like the little like shots right there. So that's a struggle. Um, Paul, I don't know what's going on with Paul. He's just been a mess offensively. He's supposed to be your top three leading scorer and he's just, you can't put the ball in the hoop. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that's the reason this game was, was what it was. It was only 58, 57. And it's not like, like you just said off the pod, uh, there's not like they were forcing turnovers. What did Wisconsin have five? It was, I don't know this to be true, but I would <laughs> guess I looked through about half the game logs and I didn't see one lower than this. Uh, Rutgers only first forced yeah. five turnovers. You, Craig. What was that? Is he lagging for you? Oh, there you go. No, he's good. Oh, I yeah, they only forced turnovers. five turnovers on Saturday, which I can't find a single box score where they forced less. There, I think they were averaging like twelve or thirteen on the season. Yeah, it, it was it was not a pretty game whatsoever. The bench just there's no bench again. Same issue as last year. Um, <clears throat> the bench is now the starters pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, I mean the only thing I could really compliment is is they won. Oh, and you said it before, a win's a win, and that's that's all that really matters at this point. The rest, it was like, holy shit, that was an ugly game, almost four in a row losses. And they gave Wisconsin every opportunity possible to win that game. Like it was not pretty. They still have to sit down and figure this out, whether it be scoring options or like taking smarter shots. 
um, making just easy ones. It's just it was not a pretty game whatsoever, and that's that's really all I could say about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, going off of what you said, this watching, I, I just this was not a good. I'd say it was not a good performance, other than maybe Cam, who was just light. He was just unbelievable in that first half. I was looking just what was he? They said six for seven. To, I mean, the first half it looked like he couldn't miss. That was as hot as I think we've seen him look all season. And then second half he kind of dropped off. But yeah, this was. I mean, it's tough. This is such a tough game to kind of like dissect because it was it wasn't a good performance. But Rutgers just really needed a win here. Like it didn't matter how it came, and it didn't matter like what like like Pykel says. Like he like he likes winning. You know those disgusting you know mucking uh, up games. And Rutgers just three in a row. Kind of I mean tournament lives kind of in the balance here. I mean yeah they just at the end of the day we said it against kind of Nebraska, and then we definitely after that loss we definitely said it here. Rutgers just needed to find a way to win. Because right now, I think as the way things were going right now, I mean, after that Nebraska loss, I kind of felt like I kind of feel like they fall into that eight nine kind of slot. Which I mean, I still still think that's where they are after this win. But if you lose this game, I mean, man, you are really that free fall is just getting worse and worse. But like I said, they just needed to find a way to win, no matter how it came. So now, and I think. I think it has to be said that also, you know, they were losing, they're losing their two best defenders between Caleb and Mag. And if you told me coming into a game, you're going into, if you told me going into, which I think we only found out Ma Connell was out in like maybe 10 minutes before the game. So yeah, if you yeah, told, he, he tweaked yeah. his back in warmups. Yeah. Yeah. He had the back spasms. So if you told me like a day, if you told me 24 hours beforehand, Rutgers was going to be going into Wisconsin without Caleb and obviously without Mag, who's out with, for the year, I, I would have expected a loss. So the fact that Rutgers went in there without their two best defenders and still found a way to win is just, I think that's a very big momentum builder uh, going forward. The fact that you can go on the road and win a game like that is just impressive. I mean, it also proves, I think, Wisconsin is just really bad this year. But at the but still at the end of the day they're still I mean they're not the worst team in the big they're you know they're in that they're in that bottom kind of rung I think but not the bottom so it's kind of like you know but like I said even even without Caleb and Mag I think that would have been lost but the Rutgers won so at the end of the day that was that was goal number one two and three and they got it so I think now it's all about just continuing to build off that and getting back to I mean Thursday is going to be a big game between them and yeah. Michigan because that's kind of now. Now Rutgers has kind of fallen to that middle pack with, and I think Michigan's there too. So this is going to be kind of like whoever wins out when it can get back to that, you know, top, like probably double buy area. And then you won't have to worry about, you know, possibly falling to that eight, nine or missing the tournament or anything like that. So it's a very big win. And then it just it only gets bigger from here. Yeah. Wisconsin's a bit, in a bit of a free fall. They've last, lost nine of their last 13 games. They're all big 10 games. So the stretch of the season is tough for everybody. Um, as you kind of mentioned, Cam, or not Cam, uh, Caleb McConnell, he was warming up and he tweaked his back. They showed it on the pregame. It looked like at some point he was just kind of like grimacing and holding his back. They put him on the exercise bike. They put all these different, you know, uh, belts and electrodes on him to try and kind of warm it up and loosen it up. But they were even saying, like, I think Bardo was <laughs> – pointing out how much higher his one shoulder was than the other. He's like, yeah, you could just tell his muscles are just totally locked up right now. And this is something that Caleb dealt with throughout his college career. And this was a problem for him for his first three years. He was going to redshirt the, uh, the the COVID year, I think. And uh, that was kind of a huge blow to the team. 
But after about the first half of the year, and when they realized that that season wasn't going to count against them, that's why he played that season. Um, but yeah, he's had back problems. You just got to hope this isn't a lingering thing because while we did win at a bad Wisconsin, it's, it's you know could be a quad one win if Wisconsin is on the uptick a little bit because I think they're currently seventy sixth in the net rankings, and you need to be a, a seventy five or higher in the net to to get a quad one road win. Um, this isn't a very good team. And Rutgers, like we said, they only force five turnovers, and they're averaging roughly 15 a game throughout the season. So this isn't going to fly against teams like Northwestern, against on the road against Penn State, or even you know at home against a team like Michigan. Like we need to get Caleb back. You got to hope he's all right because we're we can't really realistically expect to to win games in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament if we don't have Caleb and Mag because our defense just isn't going to hold up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty spot on. Um, I think I, I don't know if I said it on the pod. I said it before the pod. Without Mag, you probably don't make a deep tournament run. Without McConnell and Mag, you might not win a game. Like, uh, it's just truthful. Like, this team is pride, is defense, and you just lost your top two defenders. You don't really have a replacement for those guys. Like, yeah, Pike hyped up Hyatt, like saying, like, hey, man, you cover Ron, like, you cover anybody, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you're still not changing his defense. Like at the end yeah. of the day, he's not mag. He's not McConnell and Caleb's had injury issues. Um, his entire career, actually, I guess. Right. He had a knee yep. injury to start the season. He had a back injury a year before, or whatever, two years ago. Now he's got a back injury again. Like uh, if you don't have him, like even like the Michigan game, like this is a, not an easy game whatsoever. Right. First Michigan, this Michigan team's pesky. They just beat Michigan state like handedly. Um, so I, I don't know. This is going to be a tough one. If you don't have McConnell on Thursday, I think it's going to be extremely tough. And for some reason, Michigan just has Rutgers number two. And that just, that's another, another factor that's going to come into play. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's just not good right now. Things are um, tailing off pretty poorly or bring quickly. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like we, uh, from uh, looking at from a broader, I guess, perspective, I kind of feel like a, a Rutgers fan kind of has to reevaluate kind of the expectations for this team because I think even with Mag, with everybody healthy, my kind of, I think my expectation was that this could be a Sweet 16 type of team, but I did, really didn't see them going on any type of super, you know, Elite Eight Final Four run just because their offense just doesn't, the, the, it's just not there. So to me, even with them completely healthy, I thought they were a potential Sweet 16 team. But without Mag, it's it's tough for me to see them even getting to that point. Like maybe they with Caleb, maybe they win it. Maybe they f- steal a game here and there. It really it, to me, it really depended on uh, if, whether or not they're they're seeding. Because if Rutgers got a higher seed, they play a you would think a worse team. So I would think they could have you know at least won a game. But the fact that now they kind of hit this free fall and are kind of falling to that eight nine type of area, to me, without Mag and even with McConnell, I can't. It's so. It's just so tough. I mean, yeah, they could. I think depending on the matchup, they could win an eight nine game. But then you're facing a one seed, and then to me, it's just like no matter who you're facing, it's going to be a really really good team like in Alabama or something like that. And to me, it's just like Rutgers just doesn't have. The Rutgers just doesn't, to me, have the squad to get past the t- uh, one seed like that. So to me, to me now, the expectation is at at best probably you're winning a, a March Madness game, and to that, I mean, feel free to disagree, but to me, that's kind of just my uh, expectation for this team going forward. But if they can get back to that um, to that upper echelon, like five, six, five, four, four five, six kind of area. 
then yeah, then they, then maybe they can get back to being maybe a sweet 16, but to me, it's, it's, it's so tough now without mag. And like you said, if you're losing McConnell, it's just, I don't, I don't see it, but you know, the, but if you make it, but yeah, but if you do make the tournament, that's three years in a row, which would be the first time in program history. And that's still, I think a big feather, that would be a big feather in the cap in the cap for this, for this program. Now, I think you're dead on. I think people were getting excited because of the potential, you know, if they were a four or five seed, you know, you get a 12 or a 13 seed round one. Maybe you get a good matchup in round two against a team that doesn't really match up well against Rutgers um, in the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, you move on. And especially if you're in the East Regional, you're playing at MSG. We all saw what the Michigan State game was like. That's going to be a Rutgers home game. That's kind of what the script that we've all built in our minds of like how this could go really well for us. A losing mag, yeah, that's probably you're probably putting a, a damper on that dream. You lose McConnell, that dream's dead. Um, I do want to shout out Cliff though, because as, as bad as he was de- offensively, I thought he really affected mm-hmm. this game defensively. Like it's not just the, the end, uh, the end, the final defensive stand play where he you know he he forces a um, a really awkward pass out to the three point line and then somehow recovers in less than a second. And blocks the shot because no, he tipped it out. I'm sorry, he tipped out the uh, the rebound, which forced the guy to drive. But he was just, you know, he was causing guys to to have to readjust in the air constantly um, when they were driving to the hole. Like he blocked a bunch of shots. I thought Clifford, you know, as much grief we give him offensively, I thought he had an elite defensive game against Wisconsin Saturday. Yeah, I mean, just I think yeah, we've talked about his regression offense, but I feel like his defense has gotten a lot better this season to be honest i've seen i've seen him he doesn't do it like he doesn't do it the full game but if there's those brief stretches where like if somebody hits a screen that cliff kind of guards maybe a, like a guard or a smaller guy for like a quick one or two seconds and he does a pretty good job at that and like you said that that last play uh it was kind of weird how he, he tipped it out i thought maybe he could have grabbed it and you don't have had to worry about that last shot but he tips it out and I mean, like we like we always talk about with his Mister Fantastic arms. Somehow, I don't know, yeah. I don't know how he blocked that. Like that it was, was actually a super high IQ play by him because he was just trying to get it out of mm-hmm. the the key, just trying to get it like maybe bounce around, hit off somebody's arm, go out of bounds, and Rutgers gets the ball back. That was a little awkward, but that was a really smart play by him, just to kind of volleyball punch it out of the way. But I've yeah. watched the play. I feel like that last block amount of time. I I don't understand how he blo- like how he blocked that. Like he was so far away from where he jumped. The fact that yeah. he even got a like a fingernail on it is just like this guy is just like Mister Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great comparison. That was that was insane defensively. I actually didn't think he got it. I thought the kid just like. I don't even know what he did. He just tried to shoot it, and I was like, "Oh my god! Wait, holy shit!" Did he take yeah, it? it looked like, like a like a <laughs> like, duck wow. dying in the air and yeah. just like falling straight down. Yeah, I was just like, "Wow!" Like, okay, that was that was something. Um, I want to go back to tournament talk real quick. Uh, Brad Watchell, who is everyone's favorite bracketologist because he's a mm-hmm. Rutgers guy, Duke <laughs> Rutgers eight nine. That would be interesting. Oh, call the, you know what they, the, you know what they call that, Richie? The Dylan uh, Harper goal. I know that would be uh, <laughs> that would be something. And imagine he commits like immediately after whoever wins. Well, yeah, he's not imagine, going to. But could like, you imagine if the, if Dylan just went on Twitter and said the, the winner of this game is where I go? Oh my god, the That'd amount of pressure that would be on that game. Yeah, but uh, no, he's not committing <laughs> till summer, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, uh, no. I thought that'd be pretty pretty cool to see. Um, also, I, I hear me out. You don't want to be a five seed. Five seeds get upset like every year. To those 12 seeds you don't want to be 
Rutgers Oral Roberts because that'd be the worst case scenario because that team's fucking yep. good. Like, plus so, I think it, this the preferential seeding or the preferential placement starts as a, at a four seed mm-hmm. um, where they really try and get you in the the, the bracket of uh, not your choice but the one that geographically makes the most sense. So. Yeah, which means uh, eight, nine seed Rutgers, they're going to tell you, fuck off and have fun in Spokane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. I also wanted to give a little bit of a shout out, even though he didn't make the basket. I thought uh, Derek Simpson on that last, on, on with the last bucket made a very good play because he, he attacked to the, for the layup. And even though he didn't, he didn't put it in, he kind of forced the defense to kind of <clears throat> come down on him, which I think opened up Hyatt to get that put back. So even though like he didn't get the the basket, I thought Dylan Harper made a very key decision and key play that led to the Derek Simpson. You said, Dil- you said Dylan Harper. Ooh. Damn it! Listen, <laughs> maybe one day, but yes, Derek Simpson. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I I also want to go back to Cliff for a second because I think there's one thing this year that he's probably made a bigger advancement in his game than anything else. He's playing a lot smarter. How many games last year or the year before that was he getting two fouls in the first seven minutes of the game? He had to sit for a while. He, has, he hasn't really committed nearly as many fouls or as many boneheaded plays. He has some, but it, it seemed like every other game his second year um, playing for Rutgers, he was in foul trouble. This, this year he's had like two or three games maybe when he's gotten into foul trouble, and we've all seen how the defense just kind of falls apart without him on the court. So that's, that's another shout I want to give Cliff because I don't, I don't want to make it seem like we – we're hating on him, but there are certain things he needs to improve. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Um, so the, the next game on the schedule is at home versus Michigan. Um, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index, they give Rutgers a an eighty four percent chance of winning this game. <clears throat> like we've alluded to, Michigan's kind of Michigan's given yeah, us some, some, some headaches for play. over the years. Yeah, I mean Michigan. They're so hit or miss this year. Um, obviously, they had a great win against Michigan State, but previously, the last game, they, they lost at Wisconsin by five. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They're, they're, they're a good team. They're, they're better than their 15-12 and 12 record would indicate, but at the same time, this is a game that Rutgers should win at home um, against a team that's you know middle of the pack. Rutgers is currently in a – a, a tie for fourth place in the Big Ten standings with three other teams, with Michigan, Iowa, and Maryland. So beating Michigan would go a long way into uh, trying to re-secure the double bye because Rutgers looked like they were in the driver's seat before the three-game losing streak. They also have another game against Northwestern, who's currently somehow standing alone in second place. They've probably been the story of the year in the, in the Big Ten this year. They're 20-7 and seven overall. They're 11-5 and five in the Big Ten. Um, Rutgers obviously beat them once already on the road. They play them in the final game of the season at home. Uh, they also play at Penn State and at Michigan or at Minnesota in between those two games. Um, what do you guys think Rutgers goes the rest of the year? They have four games left, home versus Michigan, at Penn State, at Minnesota, home versus Northwestern. Well, the one the one's a lock. Like that Minnesota, Minnesota team is yeah. just fucking bad. Like I they're, don't know. <laughs> they're a quad four game for Rutgers, and it's a road game. That says a lot. That means you have to be <laughs> yeah. in like what one of the worst fifty teams according to Net to be a quad. That would four that team. would be two forty one plus. Like, okay. and I think they're they're two forty one. So it might not be a quad four when it's all said and done. But and yeah, actually, you know, it might be because they're they're really that bad. So um, yeah. that's I'm going to say that's at least a win. 
I don't know if they'll... I think they beat Northwestern. They match up well against them. The other two, I think they're going to split, to be honest. I don't know which one's which. Because I think Michigan... It depends on... Honestly, it really depends on Caleb. Without Caleb, like... I don't know if you win two. With Caleb, you you win two, maybe three. So I'm, I'm not going to say 4-0 because I feel like that's just unlikely expectations because... Well, think about it. Michigan is pesky. Penn State mm-hmm. just had the national play, ESPN National Player of the Week. That Jalen Pickett kid dropped forty or seventy plus in two games. He's a transfer, uh, right? Yeah, he's from Siena. Um, but Was he, Rutgers he, involved he, with him? I don't remember to be honest. I, that was like two okay. years ago, so I can't. I don't think so. That was the Hyatt transfer. So maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, so they just beat Illinois too. It's not like they're they're on a little bit of a streak. Minnesota's a win, and then Northwestern. I I just I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say two and two to be safe. I think three and one's very very possible. I just don't. I can't say four. No, I just can't with the, all the health issues and scoring issues. I just can't do it. Yeah, I think that I think Minnesota and Penn State are the games that you're probably gonna look at as those are the games Rutgers probably should win. I mean, like you said, Minnesota is just. It's just they're just bad, so that's a game you definitely should win. And Penn State is just got all, all for them. It all, it all comes down to how they're shooting that night. I mean, yep. it's a home game, so you would think they're they're better. You'd think they're better than the, the last time they played them at the Jersey Mike's. But to me, if Penn State is out there like that, like that Illinois game, they were just lighting it up, making it all over the place. So you'll be able you. I mean, you'll be able to tell if Penn State starts knocking down shot after shot you're like oh boy you're you're gonna be in trouble but if they're missing that night if that's a night where they're kind of hit a cold streak then that's a game Rutgers should win so it's real it's it's tough I, I think two and two is kind of like what the, the kind of the the expectation or what what they should go I think they as long as they tread water I think they'll be okay mm-hmm. because and um Northwestern I think is tough I mean the good I guess the good thing about playing Northwestern is the fact that you're playing them at home and it's now it's a, not, a kind of a, a little bit of a ways off from now. So right now they're super hot, but by the time they get to that game, maybe they'll cool off a little bit. So I guess that's one way you could look at it. And this Michigan game is just a, is super is a big game, like I said, because this is two teams battling to get back to that kind of double buy area. So if you got if they have Caleb, I would say that they could beat Michigan. And if they don't have Caleb, then I think it's going to be really tough. So, but. It, to me, so it's really hard to, to predict. But like you said, I think four and zero is probably a tough ask. Three and one is, I think, on the table, and two and two is kind of the expectation. So that's that's kind of my feeling. But also, I wanted to touch a little bit about honestly, I, from from a Big Ten perspective, I th- feel like I fought it off the last couple of years. But to be honest, I feel like the Big Ten is just very overrated this year. Honestly, I look around and I saw this so year? now Nebraska. Yeah, I, well, last, the last couple of years, I, I I feel like I've been defending them. Like they've had some good, they've been really deep. They've had some really good teams that ended up kind of crapping out in the tournament. But this year, I look at these teams and I'm like, I don't see anybody in this in this conference making any type of run in the tournament. I mean, even Purdue, who's the best, te- who's been the best team all year, is now hitting kind of a cold streak. And the just the style they play, I just don't see them making any type of run. And now we had yesterday, and all of a sudden, the, as bad as the Nebraska losses, Nebraska just won. So it's like they're kind of creeping up a bit. So it's like maybe that loss end up, won't end up being as brutal as it was at the time. But, I mean, the, the conference this year is just, just so wacky and so weird. And I, I really – I don't I don't see any team from the Big Ten making any type of run, to be honest. 
I mean, I'm surprised it took teams as long as it did after Rutgers showed them the blueprint to beating Purdue to actually start beating them. Because before Rutgers won, uh, Purdue only had one one possession game in the entire season, and that was against Nebraska on the road. After Rutgers beat them, they've had one, two, three, four, five, six. They've had six games where they either lost or it was one possession game in the second half of the season. Like Purdue, they rely too much on young guards. And as Gio said to us on the podcast when he, was, when he joined us, like that's the thing you target when you're trying to design up a game plan is targeting young guards, inexperienced ball handlers, because, you know, you throw enough at them that they haven't seen, they're going to make mistakes. And that's kind of rung true with Purdue. Like they've had some clutch moments, but the way that they want to play basketball, just like going through Zach Eady and kind of having him post up and make smart passes, almost play like, you know, Jokic does where he, you know, either scores or facilitates everything through the offense just isn't really, <laughs> it's just not going to work. Like Edie's, He's got no shot from the outside. And if he's not like dunking it or doing like one of these really, he's got a great touch around the room. Don't get me wrong there. But if he's not within like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 feet of the rim, he's kind of useless almost like as a screener, he's really slow. Like Zach Eady for as great of a college player he is, he's not going to break into the NBA. Like, I don't know. They're very flawed as a team in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty accurate. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do because like, I was going to tweet it, and I, I kept deleting it for some reason. How are they going to do in a tournament? I feel like if you put Zach Eady in any other conference, he doesn't work. Yeah. Like, I think this is just the only conference where he's going to average that 20. And You're talking about major conference guys. also. Major conference, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're not, no, we're not talking to go put him in the MAAC, and it's like, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> sh- no shit he works there. Like, thank you. Yeah. Um, but I was watching, like – Seton Hall the other day. I was watching UConn. I was watching the Big East, and it's just a totally different game. And I, I know this yeah. is said every every year, but like the Big Ten's got to eventually like adapt, right? You would hope. Yeah, I think they're uh, kind of well, trying. To, I think they're in a weird spot right now where they're kind of trying to. They're get. I feel like there's more. The, the Bigs are getting more athletic, but it's just to survive in this league right now. I feel like still you have it. to play. What was that? You still need like a big man now. Yeah, right? like right now they're in like kind of a weird, like weird, like area where they're they're still dependent on that kind of old like 1980s style of basketball, which I think is actually kind of more fun to watch, to be honest. But now they're kind of hitting more of a transition period where they're trying to get more, I guess, to I feel like more of today's style of basketball. But but then you see teams that are almost like an Iowa or even like a Penn State where it's like. It, where it's all offense, all about your, how you shoot that night. And for teams like that, they're having just a super difficult time surviving this league because it's just so physical. So it's such a grind that, like, it's it's tough to survive right now playing that style of basketball. But I kind of feel like they're trying to hit that transition period. But I like, guess talking about – I mean, Purdue, I mean, I would think they're going to be a top one, two seed, and I would think they win the first game. But if you told me Purdue – Got upset in the second in the second game. I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised because it's just like if they face a team that's just hitting their shots, flying around the court. Uh, to me, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. I don't know how they're going to respond. And if you so, if you told me that they <laughs> fell before the Sweet Sixteen, I wouldn't be surprised. And if you told me they made her, maybe a, I don't know. It's, just, it's it's so hard to predict, honestly. Yeah, I make this mistake every year. I always put the Big Ten way too far, and mm-hmm. it my bracket shit after day one. Like, <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah. That what that was fun. Like. <laughs> wasted 20 bucks <laughs> well i mean if you take a look at i mean well this will transition well into the next conversation i wanted to have if you just look at recruiting rankings like 
how many top 50 kids are going to Big Ten schools each year? It's not many. If it's not Michigan State, you know, you might see one go to Indiana, one go to Illinois, or a handful maybe in one year. But we're not recruiting at the same level as, you know, the ACC or the Big 12. Like, a lot of these top-level kids, you know, they're going to the, the one-and-done factories like Duke and, and Kentucky and Texas mm-hmm. now. Like we're not getting the top kids and those top kids are the top kids for a reason. They have that like, like rivals ranks players based on their projectability into the NBA and the NBA draft prospects. So these are the kind of guys that the NBA is looking for. They're the, the long lengthy players with outside games who could also defend like that's Ace Bailey to me. That's, that's Dylan Harper. If Rutgers can start consistently landing guys in the upper echelons of recruiting rankings, they're going to emerge as one of the better teams in the big 10 and possibly a team that could advance because there's not many other teams that can do that. Like if <laughs> let yourselves dream here for a bit, a minute, but if we had Gavin Griffiths, if we had Ace Bailey and we had Dylan Harper oh on the God. same team, that is an elite offensive college team because all those guys can shoot. All those guys can create Ace Bailey's an elite defender. Dylan Harper's a good defender. Gavin Griffiths, <clears throat> he'll get coached up because he's got the length and, and the, you, you got to, to play good defense, the first step in that is you have to want to play defense. You have to have that that effort and you know willingness to kind of like put your face in the in the in the fan almost. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got that, um, and I think he's talked about in, in different interviews how he can't wait to get to Rutgers because that's the, the area of his game. He knows he needs to improve the most, and he's excited to learn from Peichel and and the rest of the staff in that sense. But I don't think it's any surprise that the Big Ten isn't advancing because they're not getting the top kids in the country. It's more of a developmental conference. Yeah. So I'm looking now at the recruiting rankings. I'm glad you brought that up. The top 20 for 2023. There's three Big Ten commits. Um, two of them are, are big men, which massive big men we're talking. Like the kid going to uh, Michigan State, 6'11", 220. Like he's a big dude. He's an old school bit, like old, old school center. Dennis Evans, number 11, is going to Minnesota. He's seven one. Like it's a skinny Kofi Coburn. I don't know what his game is, so I don't want to compare it to that, but he, he's just huge. And then the other one is Gavin Griffiths. Like, Rutgers is yeah. probably – it's kind of crazy to say this, but Rutgers is the only team that's actually recruiting at that high level now. Like, yep. Griffiths, Bailey, if they get Harper – and mind you, um, we, we could talk about rankings for them that are getting updated, what, in a week from now, two weeks? Yeah, a week from now. And it sounds like Ace and Dylan are going to be four and five. Wow. Or vice so- versa, I forget. <laughs> So I think you told us three and four. Um, the three last four. text, actually. Was it three and four? Maybe it was three and four. It might be three and four. You might be right. I might have got that wrong. And then um, on top of that, like, no, Delquan Warren's going to be in the 70s. Like, and then they're, they're, Kurt Tang is going to be in the 30s. <laughs> yeah, so we forgot to talk about Kurt Tang last time in the recruiting section. I think it's pretty timely because he's visiting Rutgers for this Michigan yes. game on Thursday. Are there? Uh, he's obviously the headliner of this visit. Are there any other visitors coming this weekend, Rich? No, it sounds like it's only going to be him um, in terms of hoops, but you, you never know. Like people pop up all the time. Lathan Somerville, uh, I think we posted that article this morning. If we didn't, it'll be out shortly. Uh, he recapped the visit. He had a good time. Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the question everyone's gonna ask: Is he a take? Yes, he's a take. Like, <laughs> okay. stop. Like, when, when you uh, no, he's just go you know, go to Gonzaga where he has an offer there, or maybe Georgia, maybe Georgia Tech, Ohio State, Missouri, uh, Villanova. I don't know. Maybe I'll just go to one of those and be a take there, but it won't be. A take. Yes, he's a fucking take. Um, he's going to be in the lower half to the one fifties. 
Um, I don't know where exactly. I think 140 something, if I recall correctly. But uh, this is this has historic purposes for Rutgers right now. Ace Bailey I was talking to one of the analysts the other day, and he's like, honestly, like we just need to see him a couple more times. But if he balls out the way I think he is, there's a solid, like there's a legitimate chance this guy can be number one, number one in the recruiting rankings. I, I totally agree. There is like very few players I've ever seen as high school recruits who look to be as polished. Like his form is immaculate. Like the the way he's able to get to he's got like a this backpack of moves that like a lot of NBA players don't even have. He's got these turnaround hezies. He's got like such a refined offensive game. And then you watch him on the defensive end of the floor. Nothing gets past him on defense. He is incredible, man. I'm so excited you know, to watch him. Play. You don't want to compare him to Durant. But he just got such a similar skill set where he's that tall, yeah. lengthy, big guy that can shoot and score at will from anywhere. And yep. he plays some fucking great defense. Like, it's mm-hmm. in, this kid is good. And I know we joked around about it, and we everyone's on the boards like, yeah, can we get the number one class? And I'm like, eh, probably not. And you got a real chance now if you get Dylan Harper. You have a legitimate shot because Delquan Warren's getting a bump. Ace Bailey and Harper, you'll have two of the top four. Like, that's, holy shit, number one. <laughs> um, then De- Delquan Warren's in the 70s. You get Kurt Tang, he's in the 30s. That's four right there. You get Lathan Somerville, he's a top 150 kid. You got a fab five-level class. Like, holy shit. At Rutgers. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk Kurt Tang because uh, Rutgers, not that they got in with him late, but with some recruiting stories, it's, it's suddenly they announce the top five and Rutgers is in it, like Nasir Cunningham, where nobody even heard about Rutgers involved with him. He's another guy that we can talk about. I don't think it's realistic, given you know all the conversations we've had. We've discussed him going down to Memphis shortly, and that looks like he might be uh, leaning towards a heavy NIL deal down there. But Memphis? Kurt, they don't do that. <laughs> no, no, they're very above board. Um, yes. Let's talk Kurt Tang. He's currently ranked 43rd in the country. Um, he's a 6'4 shooting guard from Massachusetts. Um, where's Rutgers stand in his recruitment? Because it sounded like for a while that Michigan State was leading. What are you hearing about him and where he's leaning? Yeah, so Rutgers was in on him, I don't even know when, for a while. Like They were one of his first like top four or top five offers, or first four offers. Um him and them and Providence have been really close. Um, obviously, Providence uh, does a really good job recruiting overall, uh, especially in that New England area. And their AAU program sends a uh, the mass rivals, it's called, which is not to be confused with us. We are the legitimate <laughs> rivals. No offense. Uh, yeah, so they, they send uh, quite a few kids to Providence up there through that program, um, just like any other program. Everyone has connections throughout the college basketball world, but. Rutgers has a real chance here. Um, I know that, that some people on the inside are very confident in it. They think uh, if getting him on campus and getting that last visit before the decision, because he's going to decide not immediately after, but he's going to decide shortly after the visit, they're, they're pretty confident that they're going to land this kid. And everyone's like, oh, well, you know, is he a take? Because he's a shooting guard. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, he's number 43 <laughs> in the country. Like, well, you, you can't get that cocky that quick. Like, you got to yeah. like, – you take the guys you can. Um, so you, you take him and you take Delquan. Delquan's a typical old school, traditional point guard. Harper is a three, four, a two, three. He can kind of do everything. He'll probably end up actually taking the ball up, to be honest. Um, yeah. 
And then uh, then you put this kid at the two. Like, it's positionless basketball. You could put a position on him because that's what we do. Like, you have to put a guard. Or I honestly think we should just get rid of the position completely. It should just be guard, wing, big man. End of story. That's it. Yeah. Like, I felt that way for a long time about, like, all NBA rankings. Like, the third team all-NBA center, it's like there is legitimately a dozen better mm-hmm. players in the NBA than the, the third team all-NBA center. But because of how they structure it, like, there yeah. has to be a third guy there, but anyway, yeah. It's even like and an look, all-star game. Like that, that's what they—they're getting better with it because they're like, hey, just pick guards. Hey, pick right. wings. Hey, pick big men. It's yeah. not centers, power forward. Like, and literally, when I look on like ESPN, like an app, I don't know if it's because of laziness or if it's just the just like you said, positions of basketball. It just says next to guys' names most of the time F or G. That's it. Yeah. Like you rarely ever see C. Like maybe like Cliff, you see, he gets to see, but like yeah. most of the time it's like Derek Walker F it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you're either a forward or a guard at this point. Yeah. Dane danger. Dane danger. <laughs> I think he, yeah. He had an F too. I dude, I kid. I, I love that name. <laughs> yeah, I love Kurt he, Tang, honestly. I can't. I can't. Kurt Tang's good too. I Kurt Tang like, versus Dane Danger. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, that's, that's like that's like the the name Super Bowl right there. That's yeah. This is, <laughs> we're talking historic purposes here. Yeah. Speaking of the uh, Super Bowl, by the way, when I I noticed before the game when they do their like little video thing, when they showed Patrick Mahomes uh like uh Patrick Mahomes' thingy, I saw Rivals. They showed Rivals uh, rankings from, and I I had a um, little bit of it a actually, pop. It, it actually wasn't Mahomes. That was um. I think it was Kelsey's ranking. Oh, was it? Yeah. Um, I just remember. Yeah, I just remember seeing rivals. I was like, oh, sh- yeah. Like, little, 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 <laughs> little shout out there for us, the underranking Travis Kelsey, arguably the best tight end. Listen, there's no such thing as bad press, Richie. You know that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that five point two he had. Yikes! <laughs> Gotta go. Well, we didn't do that. Nope. Thank God. <laughs> um. But yeah, no. It was um. Did this. This I don't even know how to say it. This is going to be just has so much like potential for this class. This recruiting class could be legendary, and they're all offensive players. Mm-hmm. Pike teaches them a lick of defense. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then if you oh. look at like you know who hypothetically could be available for that twenty four season on the team still, like you could have Mawat Mag back. You could have uh, you'll have Derek Simpson. Antoine Wolfo, you could have Cliff O'Maruri. Um Paul would be out of eligibility by that point. Um, who else? Hyatt would be out of eligibility by that point. Cam would be out of eligibility. But you could have, you know, a lot of this team return along with all that, that freshman and sophomore talent. Antonio Chol might finally have developed into a player by then. Um, you know, you bit uh, – Ben Dongo. I forget about him. Yeah, there's a there's a <laughs> lot of talent on this team and coming into this team, and I'm I'm excited to see what Cliff or what, uh, what what Pike does with, with this group because he he's obviously shown he's you know an elite developer of talent and you, you provide him with a plus level talent into that development. I think sky's the limit, guys. I'm I'm so excited to see how the, the next two years go and beyond, yeah. obviously. But that's. Pretty accurate. There's not really much else uh, you could say there. This this has I, I've said it three times. It has historic potential. Like this this is crazy. I never thought we'd get to this point, but here we are. So uh, enjoy the ride. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we covered a ton here, guys. Is there anything else that we we missed on, or anything else you want to bring up before we sign off? I want to give a shout out. I want to give a shout out 
to one-time Rutgers commit Mac McClung for winning the dunk contest. Oh, yeah. Any comments? Yeah, that, that seemed to be the easiest money of the weekend. That uh, I think his odds yeah. went from like plus two ten down to like even odds by the time the dunk contest started because I guess people started to watch his his you know high school mixtapes, you know all the different crazy dunks he's done through his career. That dude can jump, man. I, I, I'm surprised he hasn't caught on with, with an NBA team because he's got like a pretty well-developed offensive game. Dinks. <laughs> you think he stinks? I don't, I don't think, so. think he's that good uh, as a player. I think he's a phenomenal dunker, which is – that's cool. Like, that's great. Um, we can also talk about – I got to throw this out just because I know Craig's a super Knicks homer. Uh, Jericho <laughs> Sims. Yeah, that was cool. Like, hey, want to see me do it? Want to see me do it again? Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> hey, listen. Where's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving right now, buddy? Um, an all-star game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they actually put the Nets logos next to them, and I was like, ow. Yeah, well, that's, like, that's, that's a low blow. Yeah, that was a little... little Not to me. Up, but, uh, no, you love it, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I love it. You see uh, Bridges uh, right before the all-star break? All right, just Man, watch. watch. Like Michael Bridges, that's that's a... That really hurts because I don't know if you remember, the Sixers actually drafted him. His mom worked for the Sixers. They were yeah. super excited for about four minutes before he got traded to the Suns, I believe, in the Zaire Smith <laughs> trade. Uh, Zaire Smith were still the one, the, the, the missing posters are still up in the city of Philadelphia for Zaire Smith. Um, yeah. Just like How those missing, times- uh, just like those missing Super Bowl 2023 championship posters, right, Mike? <sighs> Yeah, it's got to be tough since like your <laughs> grandfather wasn't even born the last time the Jets were in the Super Bowl. But Ooh. I get it, I understand. Uh, uh, it brutal, could be worse. Brutal. Yeah, life life's pretty miserable over here as a Giants fan too. Apparently, Daniel Jones wants forty five mil a year. He wants Mahomes money. Yeah, so do I. Hey, like Daniel, <laughs> I love you and all, but kick rocks. Like get out, get out of here. Like if that's what you want, like I'm telling you, that ain't happening. I'll go draft a quarter. I'll draft Will Levis and be an idiot for three more years. <laughs> hey, listen, you want Zach Wilson? Hey, we can, if anyone can <laughs> fix him, it might be Dable. Gentlemen okay. dug you guys into such a deep hole, and at the same time, like you guys were too successful to put yourself in a position to get a quarterback this year, and like you don't want to bottom out yeah. for one next year, even though Drake May and Caleb Williams are probably worth bottoming out for. Um, you're you're in a tough spot. You're, yeah. Like, because you're kind of in no man's land. Kind of, yeah. I mean, uh, or, hey, Jimmy G, what are you doing? Do you want to make less than $45 million a year? <laughs> not to say there's not hope, because I think you guys got a great coach. Like, they've all deserved to win Coach of the Year. I think Joe Shane is a good GM. They work mm-hmm. well together. They work together in Buffalo. Yeah, I think there's hope, but it's, it's a tough transition period, because Gettleman and the collection of idiots that you guys had as coaches for the last, you know, since Coughlin got let go has been... A disaster so yeah anyway that's Dan Hill season. Yeah. Let's, talk about, <laughs> let's talk about some real football real quick before we sign off the xfl is back baby yeah um that was a rough watch this weekend holy shit man that was that was brutal check down check down check down run run check down run check down i'm like what the fuck am i watching <laughs> i proudly did not watch a single snap of xfl football not that i'm against it but i just i totally i didn't even know it started like it's a yeah. shame that they didn't have a better marketing campaign behind them. And I think it's because, you know, you saw the USFL commercials on, you know, Fox mm-hmm. every weekend because they're, you know, hosting, you know, NFL playoff games throughout January. And the XFL, well, yeah. like nobody knew when they started because they're, I think they're ESPN based, right? Yeah, it's really poor uh, advertising. They definitely should have 
partnered with the NFL, kind of what the USFL did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but there's there several several big names. Um, I actually I was watching a game and I was like, "Who's that running back? Like, he looks kind of familiar." I'm like, "Oh, that's Kareem Walker." I'm like, "Holy yeah. shit!" Like, Kareem <laughs> Walker's in it. Will Hill's in it. Um, Alum Lamore is a, is on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, John Lovett, another former Rutgers commit for like two months. Yep. Um, Steven Gonzalez, former Rutgers assistant and Penn State offensive lineman. Like, there, there's so many like names that I'm like, holy shit, man! You guys, you still, still trying to go for that dream? Okay. <laughs> so I, I challenge you guys to create this oh, article: the all-time what-if roster of all Rutgers' best decommits throughout the years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that would be brutal because yeah, John, you got Jonathan Taylor. You've got Saquon Barkley. You've got David and Joe. Tyler, Tyler Wiegers. I think you could Tyler do that just off of Chris Ash recruits, honestly. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> You're not even kidding. Actually, you know, I'll do it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. Uh, Rashad Wild Goose. Rashad Wild Goose, who's he's now in the league. He's in the league. Yep. One of the uh, more ridiculous names of all time. Um, Davis yeah. Let's, uh, we could. Ouch. We could. <laughs> We could uh, workshop this one as a group because it's, <laughs> this it's is not exactly game. easy to find decommits on uh, on rivals. No, it's not but easy to I find th- them anywhere, honestly. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. There's got to be some like big names out there. Like, there's got to be a quarterback. I just can't think. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Amir Smith Marset, the receiver who's now in the NFL. That was a kick in the ball. Oh, what about um, oh, what's <clears throat> Simeon? Anthony, Simeon, Simeon, Trevor Simeon. He, he can commit to Rutgers. Well, he was was he wasn't I think, a he was, I think Rutgers was a finalist for him because he was. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a okay. Florida kid. Anthony Russo, um, Sean Chambers, mm, eh, whatever. Um, Sophia Masood. I don't know what he does anymore. Um, dude, there's just wow. That, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's not let's not uh. uh spoiled the whole thing we'll, we'll get we'll get around to this article but anyway yeah. some content coming to you all right we've rambled mm-hmm. long enough i'm sorry guys thank you again for listening uh thanks again to richie and, and craig for joining us uh Rutgers plays again on thursday stay tuned to the board stay tuned to your podcast feed because you know you never know when it got, somebody's going to commit or something big's going to happen we'll cover it as soon as it happens um give us a, a rating and review if you haven't already um if you haven't you listen to this podcast every week come on what are you doing Really appreciate it if you just give us five-star reviews. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Watch everything because it helps us grow our channel. But for me and the guys, it's been another edition of the Night Report Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.